Romans 2, verse 1 to 11. God's righteous judgment. You therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you will pass judgment to do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when His righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, He will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks for praying and thanks for reading. Let's pray as we come to this passage. Lord God, we thank you that you are a speaking God. And Lord, we pray that your uh, word will uh, come uh, unto us and it will shape our hearts. Help us to fear you and help us to love you more. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My alma mater, Wheaton College, around 1999, uh, changed its, its mascot. And it actually asked for, uh, it asked for uh, students' recommendations. And so students gave a bunch of recommendations, and some of it, uh, sorry, yep, that's fine. Oh, no. Yep. Uh, some of it was, uh, uh, some of it was good, and some of it wasn't so good, and both were published um, in the newspaper. And I remember uh, one of them stood out as a good, uh, in my mind, a good uh, suggestion. It was Wheaton College, the Wrath of God. Uh, Wheaton, <laughs> the Wrath of God. What a powerful and terrifying image. Isn't that what you want to project when you're wrestling or when you're playing football or something like that to your opponents? Wheaton, wrath of God. But you could probably imagine the problems associated with it quickly, right? What if they lost? Wheaton, wrath of God, subdued by the leprechauns. <laughs> the wrath of God takes a beating from the badgers. It was problematic, and it didn't make it to the list, any list at all. And it is a problematic, uh, not just because of the headlines, but actually uh, there's theological problems associated with it too. Wrath of God, it's not something that we actually want to talk about. We're actually kind of embarrassed by it. We don't want to uh, read it, we skim over it, we take the parts out um, that speaks of God's wrath. We're uncomfortable. Today is Palm Sunday, when we remember that Jesus entered Jerusalem to die for us. Repeatedly, he said that he had to die, that he had to die, that he had to drink the cup of God's wrath. Friends, we shouldn't be embarrassed by this doctrine of God's wrath. Actually, without God's wrath, without the doctrine of God's wrath, the cross doesn't make sense. 
the cross only makes sense if we understand God's wrath. God's wrath is affirmation of His goodness. And yes, it is directed towards us all, but God has given His Son, who took on the wrath of God uh, upon Himself, that we might be saved. And this is time for repentance. I don't know about you, but paying to the news uh, around the world is actually really distracting and it's difficult because uh, we get, it's tiring because it makes us uh, emotional, it, it makes us angry. And I'm sure uh, you've been outraged uh, by watching something in the news uh, in the past few months or a few years. One thing that really made me angry was seeing the picture of Officer uh, Derek Chauvin uh, knelt upon the, 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 the neck of, of George Floyd. Actually, the picture it, itself made it really uh, difficult. It was infuriating, but actually I made the mistake of watching the video, and the video was just terrible. Repeatedly, this big man, as he's dying, he screams, I mean, he, he squeals out, I can't breathe, I can't breathe again and again and again, and towards the end, he calls out for his mom. He says, Mama, Mama, I love you. Tell my children that I love them again and again. And Officer Chauvin didn't uh, release, remove his, his knee from George Floyd's neck for one full minute and 20 seconds, even after the paramedics had arrived. I mean, at that point, he probably had died already. That video made me angry. And I wasn't alone in my anger. You saw the aftermath of all the riots and, and people rioting, uh, this injustice. And I know that that anger in some ways was directed badly, but the anger itself was not a bad thing. In fact, it's a good thing. If you are good, if you care for people, if you care about justice, actually justice responds to evil in anger, doesn't it? There are people who don't feel such an anger. They're called psychopaths. You see, God's anger reveals something about His goodness. God's wrath is an outburst of emotion. It's, it's a settled uh, uh, opposition to sin. It's, part of his, it's not part of His nature, but because He is good, because He's loving, because He's holy, because He knows of all things, He responds to evil in His righteous anger. Think about it this way. The thing is, we have the luxury of turning away from sin, of not watching the news, not paying attention. You can just pay attention to the cooking shows or whatever and avoid all the bad news in the world. But God doesn't have the luxury of doing that. God cannot do it because He is, oh, this is, sorry. Um, yeah, the, the whole thing is not right. <laughs> the PowerPoint's not right. Uh, yep. Forget about the PowerPoints. I'll just go um, without it. Uh, sorry about that. Um, God cannot. Uh, God cannot overlook uh, or ignore sinfulness of the world because He's omniscient. He knows all things. He saw George Floyd's death. 
He saw it from the very beginning till the end. He sees what's happening in Hong Kong, it's in China, and in the US, in Yemen, and in Syria, all around the world. He sees what's happening in behind closed doors and wide open. He sees what's happening sort of outwardly, but he also sees what's happening inwardly, inside of all of us. You see, God sees all things. I mean, imagine if you saw that video of George Floyd, uh, Floyd's death again and, and, and again and again. It was just right in your face. Wouldn't you be angry? If you, imagine if you saw all of the world's injustice. I mean, God stands above time. He sees all things all at the same time vividly. Of course, His goodness reacts to all that evil with anger with righteous anger because he is good, he, because he knows of what's going on. And you think, well, maybe I, I wouldn't get angry like that. You just get used to it. God's anger uh, reveals that he cannot get used to it. You see, he is holy. He's unlike us. We want him to be perfectly righteous and holy. That's what makes him beautiful. That's what makes him worthy of worship. You don't want God who gets used to sin. We don't want God who, uh, who tolerates uh, sin like us. We often tolerate sin because we are sinful. And when we see other people doing sinful things, we relate to that. We think, oh yeah, I could have done that. But God cannot do that because he's holy. He's perfectly righteous. His holiness does not allow him to tolerate sin. Another reason why we aren't as angry as God, as we look at the sins of the world, is because we actually don't care. We're indifferent to the vast sins and evil and suffering around the world. I feel that I have only a limited capacity to care. I care about my family, what's going on in my immediate family, extended family. I care about all of your sicknesses and cancer and depression, uh, lost jobs and all those things. You know, I pray for you, but you know, outside of that, I find it really difficult to care. You know, when I see uh, a UNICEF appeal for Yemen's children or something like this, I just turn it off because I just can't handle another thing. We are all like that. We have limited capacity to care because we're not all loving. But you see, God is. God cares for every single person. You know, all those shootings that happened in the U.S. this past week, God knew the names of every single one. Not just the names, He knew the stories and the thoughts, and, and He knew who, who they were like. And God made each one of them, and He cared for each one of them. And if He cared because He cared, God is angry. At the, at the murder, at the, at the evil that was done to them. You see, God's anger reveals something good about who He is, that He's holy, that He's loving, that He's omniscient. And because He is all those things, He reacts to evil in this way. The reference references to God's anger and wrath happen about 600 times in the Bible. That's a lot. That is striking. But what's even more striking that is that the Bible doesn't apologize. The biblical writers never apologize. They're never embarrassed about God's anger because they see God's anger as something good. This is how a writer Gavin Ortland put it. God's wrath is not the problem but the solution, not the offensive doctrine needing defense, but the long-awaited vindication of justice 
after the tension of the prophets, how long, O Lord? Friends, we shouldn't be embarrassed about God's wrath. It is good. We want and we need God to be loving, God to be holy and all-knowing. We need that from God. Perhaps you might be thinking, well, okay, I understand. I understand that God is angry at evil and injustice in this world, but, you know, I'm not like those terrible people. I'm not like those people who are mentioned in Romans 1, 29, the, the, the evildoers, the, the, the wicked, people who are filled with every kinds of wickedness, evil and greed and depravity. I'm not a murderer. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't, I'm not a rapist or I, I, don't, I don't steal things. I'm glad that God is angry at those people, but me, why should he be angry at me? And you're right. Those people who are watching this today, all of you probably are not like those people. But Paul does turn his attention. After you read chapter 1, he talks about all those uh, terrible people, but then he turns and addresses people like us in chapter 2. This is chapter 2, verse 1. You, therefore, have no excuse you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same thing. Paul says those who judge others are in some ways even worse. They do the same thing that they condemn, and yet they, uh, uh, they're hypocrites. They condemn others for doing them. At least the bad people do them, and they like doing them. They approve of themselves. But the hypocrites do the same thing, but they condemn others for doing the same thing. How can this be? You might think, well, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm really not like those people. I am actually different. Let me ask you this question. How much evil do you think actually happens in this world that's done by those quote-unquote evil people? And how much of the evils of this world is done by people who seem respectable? People who seem moral, you know, the politicians and the bankers and the lawyers and CEOs, middle-class people like you and me. I don't think it takes too much of an imagination to believe that actually most of the evils in this world is perpetrated by people like us, people like me. At times, we can see this clearly, well, you know, when banking st scandals happen or um, uh, uh, in the political fights. And we, we recently saw it in the U.S. sort of uh, the admission scandals. You know, everybody's doing these terrible things, but some people have a respectable uh, front. They do a good job of hiding what's going on in their life. But let me, pay, uh, let me illustrate this by uh, uh, pointing to uh, the, the pornography industry. Think about that. According to uh, Web, WebRude, a security website, every day, 25% of all searches in the U.S. is related to porn. 25%, 35% of all downloads that happen in the U.S. is related to pornography. 35%, 35, and pornography in the U.S. Is, is a $35 billion a year industry, and it's growing. Respectable people might not be going out there to commit adultery or visiting prostitutes or anything like that, but we do support this industry. This growing industry, that's, 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 that, that causes all sorts of evil in this world. And it's not, that's just one example of, of our lust 
uh, causing all sorts of damage in the world. How about our anger? How much damage are we doing in our anger to our children, to our spouses, and to our colleagues, the people around us? How about our greed? How about our disregard for the creation? How about, how about our selfishness? How about all these things that are in our hearts? Nationalism, idolatry of education and status, how much damage are we doing? How, how, how have we participated in ruining this world, God's good world? And one reason, perhaps why we don't think about such things, is because we're actually constantly outraged. We're looking down on others in judgmentalism. <laughs> and when we're busy judging others, it's hard to see what's going on in our hearts. I mean, that's certainly true when I have a fight with Mary. I'm constantly thinking about, what did Mary do wrong? Actually, I don't think about what I did wrong. And I think the news uh, sites contribute uh, to this, right? Did you know that news, good news does not sell? You know, if newspapers and the news programs were filled with good news, that good things that happened that day, people wouldn't watch it. So they sell outrage because outrage sells. This is one of the reasons why the, the ratings during the Trump era was good for everybody. Uh, this is why uh, uh, in, well, in Hong Kong and around the world, uh, news medias sell outrage because we want to feel outraged. We want to feel better than others. And when we're outraged, we don't look at ourselves and see how we are part of the problem, how we are part of the problem of ruining this whole world. Friends, how good are you, actually? Uh, Pastor Kent Hughes um, put it this way, the truth is they may have uh, overtly committed adult adult adultery, but it has happened in their heads. They did not overtly steal, but their minds have robbed even their loved ones. They have not overtly committed murder, but numerous times the mental knife has plunged. God sees all of this. He is not deceived by indulging in self-righteousness, self-righteous delusion by renaming our personal sins. You know, I, I didn't even really have the time even to, uh, uh, to mention our sins against God. These are all the sins that we commit against each other and around the world. I don't even have time to mention our sin against God and how serious that is, ignoring Him, not being thankful, and, 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 and living our lives our own way, how that is rebellion according to the Scripture. Friends, God knows the truth about us. In our reading today, Romans chapter 2, verse 2, God says He will judge us based on the truth. He will not be fooled uh, by our good works, by our good reputation. He will not be fooled uh, by, by our outward appearance. He will judge us based on the truth. And verse 6 says He will give us what we deserve according to our own works. And verse 11, uh, He will not show any favoritism. Friends, that's bad news. It's bad news. Because as we read in chapter 3, all have fallen. There's no one who is righteous. We have all fallen short of God's glory. But today is Palm Sunday. Today that we remember how Jesus came and entered Jerusalem and people cried out, Hosanna. Hosanna means save us. They were crying out, save us, but they didn't know what they needed saving from. 
we do. God took on his wrath. Jesus took on God's wrath upon himself. Good Friday, this Friday, we'll remember how Jesus died for us, how our Messiah hung naked on the cross for us. The sky grew dark from 12 to 3, for those three hours as Jesus hung on the cross. And the darkness, according to the Old Testament, is a sign of judgment. But the anger, his righteous anger for, for the whole world wasn't directed to the whole world. It was, it was, it was razor-focused sharply on this one man, Jesus, as he hung on the cross. And despite the fact that Jesus is God's Son, eternal Son, part of the Holy Trinity, despite the fact that God, even Jesus, knew the mission, even before he hung on the cross, on the cross he feels the burden of the, the sins of the whole world and the righteous anger of God, and he cries out, not to his Father, but my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He dies for us. I know that there are people who find living in this world frustrating because evil people seem to be getting away with a whole lot of things. And they ask, why doesn't God do something about this? Well, what if God did? What if God actually judged instantly to all our sins? Right? If somebody committed murder, there's fire and brimstone that kills that person. If there's adultery or theft or whatever. What if uh, we said stuff and God started zapping us? What if God started judging our, our, our thoughts, right? Thoughts that often lead to bad actions. I mean, it would be judgment all the time, wouldn't it? We'd be walking around being zapped all the time. But instead of doing that, God demonstrated His righteousness on the cross. He poured out His wrath upon Jesus so that the sins of the past and sins of now and the future will not be poured out upon us so that we might have time to turn to Him and be saved. He withholds His judgment now so that we could come to Him and be justified. There's no, that there's no severe judgment upon this world is not a sign that God doesn't care. It's certainly not a sign that we should sin more. It's not a license to sin more. Take a look at verse 4. It's a sign of His kindness. The richness of His kindness, forbearance and patience. His kindness, His withholding of His judgment is intended to lead us to repentance. When we see the beautiful world, beautiful weather today, and how there is no judgment, that's God's kindness leading us to repentance. There is a story about a farmer who hated God. He would shake his fists at, the, at God. He would uh, mow his lawn or something, you know, bring his tractor, make loud noises outside of the church uh, on Sunday morning to distract people. Uh, from worshiping. He did all sorts of things uh, to show his enmity against God. And the October season, the harvest season um, came, and he had one of the best harvests um, that, uh, that year. And then he published an advertisement on a local newspaper to rub it in. He wrote, faith in God must not mean very much if someone like me can prosper. The response 
by the Christians came the next week. It was just one line. It says simply, God does not settle his accounts in October. But there is a day when God will settle his accounts. We're told in Revelation chapter 6, verse 16, they call to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand it? Notice who does the judging in Revelations. It's the Lamb. It's Jesus. What a relief for those who turn to Jesus, who let Jesus pay for their sins, will be saved, will be spared from that judgment. But those who did not, well, they won't have any excuse. Not from the Lamb. Not from the Lamb who bled for our death, who took on our, uh, God's wrath for us. I'm going to end the sermon quoting uh, in some ways, an infamous sermon by Jonathan Edwards, um, uh, Sinners at the ha Angry hands of, hands of God, that was uh, first preached in 1741. But notice here, not uh, the words of just the judgment, but also of God's mercy. He, he, he preached, The God that holds you over the pit of hell, much as one holds a spider or some loathsome insect over the fire, abhors you and is dreadfully provoked, his wrath towards you burn like fire. He, look, he, he, he looks upon you as worthy of nothing else but to be cast into the fire. He's, he is of purer eyes than to, bear, uh, to have you in his sight. You are 10,000 times more abominable in his eyes than the most hateful venomous serpent is in yours. You have offended him infinitely more than ever a stubborn rebel did a prince. And yet... It is nothing but his hands that holds you from falling into the fire at every moment. And yet, it is his hands. It is his hands that holds you from falling into that fire at every moment. Friends, we deserve God's righteous anger and wrath at every moment. But in his kindness, God sent Jesus. In his kindness, he withholds his judgment from us so that we might be saved. This sermon, when he preached, was interrupted again and again in the middle of the sermon. It wasn't by indignant people who were being compared um, to uh, the, the most, the, the loathsome snake. The sermon was interrupted multiple times by saying, people who are crying out, what shall I do to be saved? Friends, all who call on the name of Jesus are already saved. And if you haven't yet, call on his name. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are good, that you are holy, that you are righteous, that you know and care for the sins of the world and the evils of the world. Thank you for your kindness that withholds judgment uh, from us now. Thank you for the kindness that sent Jesus Christ to the world. Lord, help us to respond to your kindness in repentance and from turning away from our sins and turning to you.
Lord, may those who don't yet know you, who haven't yet turned to you today, today look to you and turn to you. And we pray that the reality of our sin, the reality of your immeasurable love for us poured out upon uh, 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 through Jesus Christ uh, will, be, uh, will be made real. Lord, this, uh, this, uh, uh, this holy week, um, as we reflect on your death and resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.